going to use that. This is a this is a spectator. That's not a spectator sport. This is we got to be. We're all involved. We're all a body, right? Amen. And uh, amen. Hebrews chapter eleven verse six. The Bible says, "But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For him that cometh to God must believe that He is, and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him." Your view of God will determine His level of activity in your life. Your view of God will determine the level, his le- the level of activity that he has in your life. Matthew 9, remember the two blind men came to Jesus to be healed. And he says, do you believe that I am able? Right? And he said, we believe. And Jesus said, according to your faith, so let it be done. Your view of God determines his level of activity in your life. Your view of God determines the extent of faith placed in him. If you have a small view of God, you're going to have a limited amount of faith that you place in him. If you have a big view of God, I should say a biblical view of God, I'm telling you, you're going to, you're going to trust him in a larger way than others may. And what I, why I say this today is because we are suffering today from a small view of God. Amen. We are suffering from a small view of God. We will never be the church that God wants us to be with a small view of Him. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that there's, there we have these thoughts of God lately. Well, you know, look at society and look at culture and look at this and look at that and look at this. Yes, I understand all of that. But you cannot minimize God based upon what the circumstances of this little planet is going on right now. Right? You know, this is what the world does. This is what a lost world does. See, the gods of this world are very small. They are very small gods. They cannot hear. They cannot speak. They do not respond. They do not know what you're going through. They are, we, they, they are not in high priest like our high priest who, uh, who is... Uh, um, we have not a high priest that says over in Hebrews that cannot uh, be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we yet without sin. These gods do not do that. They do not have that ability. Over in Elijah, where you remember the prophets of Baal, he has them up there on Mount Carmel. And he says, you go first. You call on your gods. Remember that? And the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And they're screaming and hollering and yelling. And Elijah's just sitting there kind of laughing and watching it go on. I think he was laughing. Because he was kind of funny when he said, maybe he's asleep or maybe he went on a long journey. Maybe you just need to cry out a little louder. So they're screaming and yelling to the place that now they're taking their tools and and cutting themselves. And the Bible says the blood is gushing out upon them. And it came time to the evening sacrifice. So they, I mean, with all that blood, I don't know if they had any energy left anyway. Right, brother? And uh, it was Elijah's turn, right? The God and God, what did he do? He answered by fire there. They cannot speak. They cannot hear. They cannot intervene. They cannot help. They cannot do anything. I love it over in Isaiah where it said they must be carried. They must be carried. God was talking to Israel. Listen, I'll I'll read this for you. Listen to what it says in verses uh, 5 through 9, Isaiah 46, 5 through 9, where God says, To whom will will you liken me, Israel? To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? Watch what they're doing. They're making God like all the other gods. 
And listen what God said. They lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver in the balance and hire a goldsmith and he maketh it a God and they fall down. Yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder. They carry him. They set him in place and he standeth from his place. Shall he not remove? Yea, one shall cry unto him, yet he cannot answer, nor save him of his trouble. Remember this, and show yourselves men. Bring it uh, again to mind, O you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, there is none like me. I love it. God says you spend money to have somebody else make this God for you, who you've got to pick up and carry around with you. What a great God that is. Boy, I tell you what. No, the world has a small God. Well, they have a small God, but listen to me this morning. We have a big God, amen? It's a bigger... Oh, good night. We have a big God, amen? We absolutely do. Don't ever... We get, I'm telling you, how can we ever get uh, away from that, uh, the, of the size and the grandeur of our God? Let's just... I mean, just look at creation alone. The Bible says that He spoke it all into existence. Do you realize that you can fit one million earths in the sun alone. You can take a million of our planet Earth and put it in the sun. That's pretty big, friend. That's a pretty big deal. Our Milky Way galaxy, they said, if you travel at the speed of light at 186,000 miles per second, it would take you 200,000 years to get to the, to the other side of the Milky Way galaxy. And it is only one galaxy of billions that we even know of. And you know what the Bible says? That God meted out the heavens with a span, uh, the, the thumb to the pinky. I mean, it was a, a figurative, obviously, but we understand it's showing the size of our God and, and how big he is that he could just speak it all into existence and put it into, in, into place. The Bible says that the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. God told Israel that my ways are past finding out. He said that thou thoughtest that I was altogether as thyself. Israel, you thought I was like you, but I'm nothing like you. He is a big God. His ways are past finding out. He is eternal. He is omniscient, which means he knows everything. He is omnipotent, which means he is all power. He is immutable. He is unchangeable. He is holy. Praise the Lord. He is holy. He is a holy God. He is a big God. Stephen Sharnock, the old Puritan, I might not agree with all that he says, but he made a wonderful statement when he said this. He said, power is God's hand. Omniscience, his eye. Mercy, his bowels. Eternity, his duration. But holiness is his beauty. We worship God in the beauty of holiness. Our God is a big God, friend. He is a big God. And it's not just because He's bigger than anybody else. It's because He is the only one there is. Can I remind you when God was talking to Israel, He told them, He said, I am God. And He said, I am God alone. And there is none beside me. And He said, and if there were, I would know it. Would not the immutable... I mean... Even if there were another God that he was bigger than, he could say, okay, fine, I am, unknow- I am all-knowing, and it's impossible for me to lie because I am holy. And okay, okay, there is a God over here, but I'm way bigger than he is. Right? And we'd still have some, some, some security in that, wouldn't we? It would cool. Okay, yeah, you have a God, but man, ours, yeah. How many did that, right, growing up? My dad whipped your dad. Yeah. <laughs> my, my dad's tougher than your dad. Yeah. Did anybody do that? Or was it just me? Okay. But God didn't say that. You know what he said? I don't know of anybody else. I don't know of another God. If I did, 
because I'm all-knowing, right? <laughs> I would know that, but there is not one. He, we serve a big God. We have a big God. And you know what I'm thankful, you know what, about this big God is, is what He does in our life. Do you know some people get so big that they don't want to be involved in little things? Some people get so important they don't want to be involved in things that are below them and beneath them. Oh, I've listen, I've paid my dues. I've done that already. I've traveled that road already. I'm not going back there again, right? Somebody said it would co- take more time. It cost Bill Gates more money to stoop down and pick up a $500 bill than to move on. I'm like, it wouldn't cost if it wouldn't hurt me a bit. I'd be stopping. I'd stop in a moment for a $500 bill. It would increase my wealth by about 10 times. That'd be pretty good. And uh, I'd think, Bill, just walk on. I'll get it, buddy. I don't, want to, I don't want to bother you, right? Amen. No, some people get so big. Some people get so big that they don't want to be involved in little things. Right? But our God is so big that everything's little. <laughs> hey, everything's little. Everything is small. God is so big that He concerns Himself with every little thing, which is us. God is big. He is a big God, but He involves Himself in the cares of this world. What an amazing thought that is. I mentioned it in Sunday school this morning. God involves Himself in the affairs of man. And I was thinking about when Adam and Eve had sinned. And here there were, their eyes were opened. They, could, they, they saw that one another was naked, right? And they realized and they came to them. Undoubtedly what came to them was, was the warning of God that the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. They had no idea what that meant. They had no idea the extent of that. Oh, no, their spirit died immediately, though. That was, that was obvious. But what they didn't realize was how long this death process would take. Would they last a day? Would they last a week? Would they last an hour? And our big God came down in the cool of the day and walked with them. Adam, where art thou? Do you realize God could have left Adam all night to fear? God could have left Adam all night to worry? God could have left him the way he was, but he didn't. Why? Because our God involves Himself with the, with, the, with the affairs of His creation. God came down and he, and he made a sacrifice and He covered them with skins and God dressed them and He dressed them. They tried to dress themselves. Boy, this is a good one. I'm not going to stand here today. But they tried to dress themselves and God said, No, tell you what, I'll dress you and I'll, uh, I'll do this for you. But He involves Himself in the affairs of man. Paul said, Whatsoever you do, whether, in, whether you eat or you drink, do all to the glory of God. What is he saying? Everything matters to God. Even the, the thing that we think is the smallest thing that... And I've heard people say this, well, God doesn't care about that. Yes, He does. And you better be glad He does. We serve a big God and He's concerned with the affairs of man. He is concerned about where you're living today. He is concerned about your problems today. He, he, is, he is involving Himself in every aspect of your life. He wants to be the center of it all. I think of Abraham when God involved Himself and promised him a son and promised him a lineage. He said, the, the, your seed will be as the sand of the seas and the stars in the skies. Right? And here at 90 years of age, He opens the womb of Sarah and she has that promised child God God intervened himself and provided a lineage all the way to the Messiah 
No, this great God of ours, this big God of ours is involved in our life. Moses, here he was, uh, God was fulfilling the promise to Abraham and God showed up to Moses and said, go, go tell my Pharaoh to let my people go. What was he doing? He was involving himself in, 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 in the affairs of man. A pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, deliverance out of Egypt from the prophets to the kings. God was involved in the lives of his people. He fed that. Remember that that widow of Zarephath that Elijah came and uh, that was fed throughout the whole time of the famine. He made Queen Esther to be uh, Esther to be the queen of the Persian Empire. He brought a little repentant Moabitess to the fields of Boaz. I'm telling you this morning, God is involved with the affairs of His people and of His creation, but not just Israel. No, this is a wonderful thing through the Old Testament. Nebuchadnezzar, friend, came face to face with God. Nebuchadnezzar, remember, he had that, that dream that Daniel came, he had to come and interpret for him. And the tree was cut down and the, the stump was left of that tree and the roots were left. And God was telling uh, Nebuchadnezzar, listen, buddy, this is going to be you. You better, you better be careful. And it said a year later, Nebuchadnezzar was walking out and looking out over his, all of his palace and looking out all over the, his, his, the province of his reign. And he thought, wow, this is great what I've built and I'm, boom, I'm telling you, it came over him. The Bible, he became like an animal. His hair grew out. He went out into the wilderness for seven, uh, a period of seven, whatever it was, weeks, months, years, right? And he, 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 was, he was like an animal. It was long enough for his nails to grow out and his hair to grow out. And he was wet with the dew because he was living like an animal in his own great kingdom that he thought he built. And God said, I'll tell you, buddy, watch this, right? You know what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, right? He came to himself and he said, I extol the Most High God. I'm telling you, this Gentile got saved. This Gentile realized who the God of heaven was. Why? Because God was involved with the affairs of his creation. This great God, this big God, it brings himself down to humanity. Me and Brother Bond were talking last, yesterday, uh, yesterday, and he made this statement that kind of puzzled me. It shocked me, really. And he was telling me, he's nervous, like, oh, no, what did I say? He, 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 said, he said, I think all of God's creation is beautiful to him. Right? I think in so many words, that's what you said, including the grubs and the spiders and the tarantulas and the things I look at and go, Ugh, right? And, and, and Michael will spend his time delving into the dregs of the internet and pull up these photos and say, Have you ever seen this creature? And, uh, and you've seen him, right? And you're like, Ah, this is horrifying, right? They're, they're scary. And Brother Bond said, Well, God created them, they've got to be beautiful to him. I thought, I don't know about that. <laughs> but you know what I couldn't help but thinking? Next to God's glory, what do we look like? Yeah. And He loves you. Yeah. He's involved with the affairs of His creation. Jonah was sent to Nineveh and all of Nineveh got saved. And they even got a little sideways and 150 years later, God came back to Nineveh and said, you better shape up. He was still concerned with the affairs of these Gentiles. Even in the lineage of Jesus Christ, you find four Gentile women because God was concerned. He lowered himself and was concerned with his creation. And then in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son 
The Bible says over in Galatians 4, 4, made of a woman made under the law. And we see the Lord Jesus Christ and we look back and we see God was involved in the affairs of man the whole time. You came to Christ. Remember that day you came to the Lord Jesus Christ and you look back and you said, oh, he was there all the time. He was there reeling me in the whole time. He was involved and I didn't even see it. Why? Because this great God and this big God is concerned with the affairs of his creation. He loves us. He loves us. He loves you. Yeah. We look back even further and we find out that God was involved in the affairs of his creation before he even created anything. Where it tells us in Revelation 13:8, when it speaks of the Lamb, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. It was always in the plan of God. Our God is a big God. Amen. Our God is an involved God. He's aware. He's aware. Which brings us to the last two verses of our text. He's a big God. He's an involved God. It also is here in verse 20. He's able. Wow, that's quite a statement. Do you see what it says here? Look at verse 20. Now unto him, we looked at this verse last week. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Notice this. Now unto him that is able. He is able. Do you realize those words stand on their own? Him that is able. It stands on it. Oh, it is a statement of fact. It is a statement not only of fact, but it is a statement of infinite possibility. He's able. He is able. But watch this also. It's an incomplete thought. Now, I know the verse finishes it. Yeah. But, but the very, the, these very words, unto him that is able without, I mean, this, this is really, it's incomplete. And, and the, the sentence goes on to finish it. But let me give you an example of this. When Jesus was debating the Pharisees over in John chapter 8, one of my favorite passages. I love this. And they're going back and forth and they're just, you know, they're going at it. And Jesus is giving them truth and the Pharisees are getting angry at the truth, right? Because they, they believe that they are, they are the way unto God. And Jesus at one point says, I was sent by my father, right? He says, I do the will of my fathers. And the Pharisees says, well, we be not born of fornication. What a jab that was to the virgin birth of Christ, right? They thought he was just illegitimate. We be not born of fornication. Our father is Abraham. And Jesus said, well, isn't that wonderful? He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it. And boy, they they didn't like that. And they said, well, how is that possible? You're not even 50 years old. And Jesus comes with this earth-shattering statement when he said, before Abraham was, I am. Amen. Do you, you realize that, that Jesus used one of the most rock-solid titles to proclaim his deity? But before Abraham was, I am. The Bible says, you know how they knew it was a claim to deity? Because it says they took up stones to stone him. They, they were accusing him of blasphemy by saying, I am. This is exactly what Jehovah said to Moses in the burning bush. Who shall I say sent me? I am sent me. I am that I am. Hey, watch this. 
that phrase, I am, that's an incomplete phrase. That's an incomplete phrase. There is more that follows that. When Jesus said, I am, there's more that's there. What else is there? Well, I don't know. I am the door. How's that one? You look at the sheepfold and that they'd build those walls up to keep the critters out and the, the wolves, forget critters, wolves and things like that out of the sheepfold at night. And they'd have an opening in the wall that there was no door there. They just had an opening and that shepherd would lay in the middle of the, in that door and, and act as a door to keep out any type of uh, prey and wildlife out of there. Jesus said, I'm the door. I am the door. When he said, I am, he says, what else? He says, I am what? The good shepherd. I am what? The way, the truth, the life. I am the bread of life, right? It was an incomplete statement that is followed by everything Jesus is. When Jesus says, I am, what he is saying is, I am everything there is. I am everything that we need. He is all and all. It's an incomplete thought when he said, I am. This is exactly what is being said here as well when he says, unto him that is able. No, it completes it here in the sentence. But friend, we could, we could, we could add to the end of he is able all over the place. Actually, the word of God does it. I know what you're saying. Please show me. Please show me. Okay, you asked for it. I'm going to show you. It says here, God is able. Look what follows this. To do. We have a doing God. We have a working God. Jesus says, my father works and I work hitherto, right? Jesus says, my father works and I work too. Amen. I'm glad for that. He is a God of action. He is a God of doing. Our God creates. Our God builds. Our God tears down and our God builds again. I've said it over and over again. God loves broken things and he loves to fix broken things. And it's a good thing because we're all a bunch of broken things, aren't we? Aren't you glad when you begin to remold and rebuild your life and to change you and make you new? Can I tell you this? God is not taxed one iota in anything he does. He's able. Why? Because he's a big God. He is God. He's involved in our life and he is able. He is able. All through the word of God, we see what God is able to do. You know, in Daniel chapter 3, uh, we see that God is able to deliver. I'm going to give you some things that God's able to do. He's able to deliver. Remember they had built the, um, Nebuchadnezzar way back in his, in his reign. He had built this image of gold that everybody was supposed to bow down to. And when all the instruments began to play and everybody was supposed to stop what they were doing and turn and bow down to that image and pray. Well, there are these three Hebrews that came into the Babylonian this empire during the, uh, uh, when, when they got taken away by the name of uh, their, their names here, uh, their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three Hebrews, as we know, the story wouldn't bow. And so here they were. They're brought before Nebuchadnezzar for some questioning. And the Hebrew guys, they answer and they say, you know what? Um, we're, not, we're not careful in this matter. We're not thinking it through. I, I know there's no need for us to go back and think this through. We've already made our decision. We're not going to bow. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar's furious, you know, and I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. Well, that's fine. They said, you know what? Our God will deliver us. You know what I like what else they said after that? They said, and if he doesn't deliver us, 
we won't bow. <laughs> I like that. But they were convinced that God was going to deliver them. You know what happened? God delivered them. Now, hold on. Don't miss this. God delivered them not from the fire, but he delivered them through the fire. He got into it with them. Hey, listen, some of you have lost your confidence in a big God and in God's ability because you went through a situation that you thought God should deliver you out of when he wanted to deliver you through. And you came out of there and you thought, well, that didn't happen like I thought it was going to happen. Well, God didn't show up. Yes, he did. Yeah, He absolutely did. Listen to me this morning. God is able to deliver whether it's temptation, whether it's finances, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, uh, health, whether, whatever you want. But God is able to deliver, but not only able to deliver. Second Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 25 and verse 9, the Bible tells us that God is able to provide. God is able to provide. Second Chronicles 25 and verse 9. What's going on here? Well, Amaziah was the king of Judah. And he had amassed an army of 300,000 men. But he didn't think that was going to be enough to fight the army of Seir. And uh, so he went and hired 100,000 men out of Israel. So here he is. They've, as you know, I don't know, let me give you a lot of history here, but most of you know this. After Solomon, after Rehoboam, the kingdom divided. So you have Israel and then you have Judah. Well, Amaziah is the king of Judah, which had several good kings. Uh, Israel is the, the uh, northern kingdom, had no good kings. And so Amaziah hires 100,000 soldiers out of Israel, that northern kingdom. Well, as they're getting ready for war, the prophet, the Bible calls him the man of God, came and he said, listen, God said, don't take, don't take the children of Ephraim to battle. Don't take them. And Amaziah said this, he said, but what about the hundred talents I gave to the army of Israel? He said, I've already paid them. No, I can't tell them to go now. I've already paid them. I mean, that's a lot of money, man. In verse 28, the man of God answered and said these words. Listen to quote, the Lord is able. Amen. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Much more than what? The hundred talents. Yeah. Can I tell you this this morning? God is able to provide. God is able to save, amen. God is able to deliver, amen. God is able to provide. So often we look at financial situations and determine whether we will obey or not. No, no, our, the, the test of our obedience is how does this affect me financially, right? The Holy Spirit of God may come to you and maybe, maybe moving you into, in, in, in His, uh, in his uh, endeavor to make you like Christ. And He might say, you know... That movie isn't really the best. I just paid money for this thing. I can't throw it out. Yeah. I'll sell it. <laughs> yeah. You want me to get rid of the subscription? I just, I just paid for the subscription. You want me to get rid of this? I just paid it. You want me to give to a special offering when I just had to buy such and such? I mean, what? You know what our God says? Yeah. What is that to God? Right? What did, what did the man of God say? The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. 
Hey, the Lord is able. God is able. What we're we talking about the ableness of God. God is able to deliver. God is able to provide. So often we measure our obedience based upon our ability and not on God's ability. Amen. That is true. What we find out though is that God can do more with what we lose in obedience than we can save in disobedience. Let me say it again. What we find out is that God can do more with what we lose in our obedience than what we could have saved in our disobedience. Not only would Amaziah had lost a hundred talents that he had paid out, he would have lost the battle in that valley of salt as well down by the Dead Sea. He would have lost that as well. Yeah. God is able to deliver. God is able to provide. Daniel 4.37, this is an important one. We just talked about this. God is able to abase. God knocked down, knocked down Nebuchadnezzar. He knocked him down. Listen to Daniel chapter 4. Listen to this. Listen to verse 37. Listen, listen to what, what he says here. Am I in the right place? Boy. Come on, you can do it. No, I'm not. <laughs> wow. 437, I, I've got it. Uh, yep, here it is. Now, I, I Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride. Listen, he is able to abase. God is able to take you down. Listen, I don't care how big you get, you will never be bigger than God. I don't care how wealthy you get, you will never be richer than God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills and he owns it all. You will never be bigger than God. I don't care how much you you get. Listen to me, God can bring you back to poverty as quickly as he brought you to the wealth that you have. It is God who gives you breath. It is him who gives you the ability to work. It is him who gives you the ability to to uh, to, uh, to to build and create. It is all of him. And what am I saying? He's able. God is able. He is able to deliver. He is able to provide. He is able to abase. Listen to this. God is able. He is able to save eternally. Amen. Aren't you glad we're not just saved in this life? What did Paul said? If it was for this life only, over in 2 Corinthians, he said we'd be of all men most miserable. This is all it is. Hey, you got a great, your, your, your best life now. Yeah. You know what I'm thankful about Jesus Christ? Even if you don't have your best life now, you have the best one coming. And it's forever. Hallelujah. Hebrews 7, 25, it says he's able to save to the uttermost. 2 Timothy 1.12, when Paul said, I, I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Jude 1.24, he's able to keep us from falling. And he's, going to provis- and he's going to present us faultless before the throne of grace someday. I'm thankful for that. Because God is big, and because God is involved still today, God is able to be powerfully involved in every area of your life. He's able. You believe that? In temptation, in provisions, in health, in our likeness to Christ, in witnessing, in doubts, in fears, He's able. Whatever you need God to do, He's able. Whatever God has called you to do, He's able. Now notice this, Ephesians chapter 
3, notice our last verse here in, the, here in chapter 3. If I can find it again. Look what he says here. Verse 21. Let me read 20 again. Let me run up to it. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. God is able. And you know where it's manifest? Yeah. His ability... What his works, what he does is manifest in the church. You see this verse 21, glory in the church. Glory, doxa. You get that word doxology from. It means a good opinion, praise, honor. This good, watch, this good opinion comes after something is seen. Somebody does something, right? If somebody goes out and, and somebody's about to get hit by a car and somebody runs out and they push him out of the way, right? And they save their life. People begin to praise that man. Why? Because they watched him or that woman, whoever did it, watched them do something wonderful and they begin to praise him. Wow, that is, wow, what a, what a, what a hero. Somebody, they just risked their life. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Now you have a good opinion of that person. They could be an ax murderer and all of a sudden they got a good opinion. Right? Wow, that axe murder, isn't that wonderful? He just saved that guy's life. Right? What? Never mind. I better not. (laughs) Watch. When God does great things through his church, God will be praised and honored. God will be glorified in the church. Hey, friend, if God isn't glorified in the church, where else is he going to be glorified? Can I tell you something today? We're talking about the ability of our God. He's a big God. He is, in, he is involved in all of the affairs of His creation, and especially in us. And He's an able God. Can I tell you this today? God is able to make a church grow in dark times. I think some don't believe that. I think some have got a defeatist attitude. Well, it just ain't 1960, it ain't 1970, no, it's not. No, it's not. You know what the great expectation is? That God can still build a big church with a bunch of people that may not be bandwagon Christians and just on for the easy ride. Maybe some people that are serious about the Word of God when it's not so convenient to be serious about the Word of God. Amen? God can do it. Yes, He can. He's able to make a church grow in a dark time. God is able to make a church grow when a culture says, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to wear this and you're going to do that and you're going to meet at this time and, then, and this many times and you're going to do that. Oh. We look at Canada in shock at times what they're doing to some of these churches up there and it's like, friend, that's just not too far up north. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, God is able to make a church grow when it doesn't seem like there's enough laborers to do so. Hmm. See, at this section of Ephesians, as this, this first section of Ephesians is brought to a close, the Holy Spirit concludes it with the greatest reminder that we need in the church. 
that God is able. He's able to do abundantly more than we ask or think. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's able. God is able. God is able to take a few people and do things over here that people scratch their head at. Right, what, do you think God's just going to leave us in the wilderness now? Oh, I'm done. (laughs) Right? Just enjoy your dirt piles over there, I'm out. Right? Aren't you glad God doesn't do that? Why, He's able. He's able. Hey, the only thing that's going to hinder God is us. So let me ask you this morning, what's your view of God this morning? Have you limited God in your life? No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, we, we've heard the saying, God has promised to provide all of our needs, not all of our greeds. Amen. Yeah. We're not prosperity. We don't pe- preach the false doctrine of prosperity theology. Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't tell you God's going to make you rich. Right. He may not. Might be the worst thing for you. That's right. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't mind trying it out. <laughs> See if it'd work or not. Say, okay, Lord, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> What's your view of God? Have you limited God in your life? Have you limited God in His church? No, we know we know attitudes permeate a whole body, right? Hey, you stub your toe, and it, for some weird reason, I mean, you feel it all the way to the top of your hip. It's only a little toe, and it's like you limp around for days. You ever? Oh, you ever crack that little toe on the end there? Oh, and you're just like, right? It's moving, moving your mouth. I mean, it's moving the. I'm telling you what. Listen, friend, a wrong view of God permeates the whole body. A limited view of God affects the whole body. Well, I don't know. It's not, we don't want to, yeah. Maybe you've limited God in the lives of others. Have you not found it true that some of the most encouragement to yourself is watching somebody's unwavering faith in God? And you go, yeah. I don't know about you. I don't want to be, I don't want to have a wrong view of God to affect somebody else's faith around me. And limit, limit what God wants to do. There may be, listen, hey, there may be some here today and you just need to get before God and repent because you've had an attitude of unbelief. Remember when Peter was told to cast the nets on the other side and he said, well, we've toiled all night. It's like, I'm a fisherman, God. I know what I'm doing. And he did anyway. And what did he do? He ran to Jesus and said, he said, oh, forgive me. I'm wicked. <laughs> Where did I doubt? I'm w- wicked. I'm telling you, sometimes, friend, we need to get alone with the holy God and say, I have minimized who you are 
in my lack of faith. And I need to repent for that. Some of you need to get right with God because you just haven't believed that God could work a miracle in a messed up world. Even when America was great, it was still messed up, friend. (laughs) There were still sinners that needed to get saved, right? There were still people and all sorts of... uh, all sorts of things. You look back in history and you have this, these, you know, this kind of this, this view of history that everything was wonderful and you delve into it and you thought, wow, there sure was a lot of killing back then. <laughs> yeah. The Wild West was called Wild West for a reason, right? Oh, man. It's always been a mess. Yeah. Some of you need to give God these mountains that are in your life. That you've, that you've been keeping from him. Well, I, I've prayed about him. Yeah, but you've prayed in unbelief. See, our God is a big God, amen? Are you, convi- are you convinced of that this morning? Amen. That he's a big God? Are you convinced that our God is an involved God? Are you convinced that he's able? You see, when you get there, that's what moves God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Right? For those that come to me must believe that I am, and watch, and am a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. I read it just last week over in Second Chronicles, that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro upon the earth for a man to show himself mighty. God is looking for somebody. He's able. How many would just allow God to be as able as He wants to be in your life? You'd be amazed. You'll be amazed what He does. And you know what happens when you do that? God gets the glory that He deserves. Could you imagine wanting the world to see how great God is? But they can't. Because you don't live in such a way that He can operate as He wants to. That's what happens. Absolutely. He's able. Father, I'm thankful today that you are the God of gods, Lord of lords, King of kings. I'm thankful that you've told us there's none else beside you. When I think of your, of the creation, when I think of what you've spoken into existence, it's an incredible thing. But even more incredible is to think that this God, who the heavens of heavens cannot contain, has chosen to move inside of those who've placed their faith and trust in him. And Lord, from us, that work that you decide to do goes on. Lord, if we've hindered you, Father, would you forgive us? And God, would you help us to retain a big, the, the proper biblical view of who you are? God, would you bring us back to a place when we're overwhelmed with who you are? When we're, we stand in awe again, 
of your grandeur and majesty and of all that you're able to do. Lord, help us today to operate in a faith so anchored in who you are that you're able to do what you want to do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning? The instruments will play. I want to ask you a couple questions. Christian, do you need to adjust your view of God? Maybe you need to get your view of God a little more biblical today. Maybe there's something that God has been working on your life that He's been saying, I need you to go here. I need you to do this. I, I, you know, here's the way. Walk ye in it, Jesus said. And, and it's your small view of God that is hindering you. Would, you. would you deal with God on that today and get that right? Maybe you're here this morning you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you there is nobody else, there is no one else that can take care of your eternal condition. I said to a Muslim one day, he was telling me about the, 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 the greatness of Muhammad. And I said, you know, you have a load of sin in your life and Muhammad never offered to take it because he can't. Yeah. If you're here today without Christ... Nobody else can take your sin. Nobody else right, can fix the problem you have between you and God. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can. And if you've never been born again, you need to come today. People are trained in the Bible to show you how you can know today that if you die in Christ, that you would be eternally in the presence of God. Your sins would be washed away immediately. I'll warn you this morning, you know what else God is able to do? Matthew chapter 10, He's able to destroy both body and soul in hell. He's able this morning. Are you willing? Yeah, if you're willing, He's able. Absolutely. We're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer this morning. So good to see everybody out. And be sure to say something nice to each other. <laughs> people are like, do you always have to tell people that? Yeah, you never know. So, what a blessing. Aren't you thankful that he's able? I'm thankful when God brings us back. And you know what? What he has revealed of himself, it would blow our mind if he gave us any more. We couldn't handle it. 